Hey, welcome to Film vs. Movie, the podcast where we debate the same you hate. I'm your co-host, Belton Delane Facey. And I'm Chris Sure. And on this podcast, we watch the films that have been slandered, desecrated, ju- dropped off a bridge, and had their spine snapped by public opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and one of us tells you why it's actually pretty good. And the other one tells you why it's terrible, which I will be doing today. <laughs> And today's movie is a fan film that gained a lot of traction online called Spider-Man Lotus. And this is a fan film made by an independent filmmaker named Gavin J. Kanop. And he's very young. I believe his age as of recording this is he's only 20 years old. Damn, I wish I had done something that well done at 20. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was definitely a big... T- and it has to take on at a young age with the limited experience he had. Yeah, like it, it's very polished. He did a good job making a movie, but he didn't make a good movie. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, let's dive into the plot. So the film opens where it's Spider-Man battling the Shocker, which is one of his classic uh, villains. And this causes him to be late for a double date with his girlfriend, Gwen Stacy, at uh, and his friends, Harry Osborn and Mary Jane Watson. And soon after that, he decides he's going to propose to Gwen. And then there's like five minutes of establishing shots of New York City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is one, uh, uh, one thing. He They definitely spend a good amount of money on New York City B-roll. And then so he, he plans to propose to Gwen Stacy. And then he chickens out. Then there's like a monologue for a solid like 10 minutes where he's like, I wish I had done it. I wish I had proposed. Everything's changed so much. Yeah. So what happens <laughs> there is Gwen Stacy is kidnapped by the Green Goblin and she she dies in the ensuing battle. And then Spider-Man kills the Green Goblin, who is actually Norman Osborn, Harry's father. Was like that scene isn't shown in that moment. There are flashes of it as kind of nightmare as Peter gets throughout the rest of the film. And they they also have the comic book panels in the title screen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I feel like that is still uh, uh, something where if you if you don't know about Gwen Stacy's death in in the comics. It doesn't fully explain it. It just kind of it just kind of utilizes that knowledge to push the story forward. Yeah, honestly, I didn't realize that she was kidnapped. I thought that she just died kind of separately, in like a different Spider-Man related. <laughs> I wasn't. I don't know. I wasn't like trying that hard to figure it out. I I got the gist. Peter said. There's been a lot of deaths recently. I didn't realize it was in the same incident, though. So you, uh, so you just uh, thought P- uh, Peter mourning Gwen and Harry mourning his father were completely separate from each other. I, I'm like, I was like, okay, maybe they're related, but I also thought like, I thought that they believed that Harry or no, what's the Norman Osborn yeah. died like a week earlier because that's vaguely how I remember Spider Man One happening. Like, I in my head, I'm like, oh, okay. He get he uses the green go- the green goblin gas, and then he goes all green goblin mode and starts like laughing and killing people. And then I thought ever I thought it was pronounced he was dead at that point. And then I I don't know I really that wasn't putting too much thought into it honestly. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Okay, so back to the pauses. <laughs> Um, so soon after that, Spider-Man retires because Peter blames himself for Gwen's death. And then I think Harry returns from like a bender and Peter goes off on him and MJ for not being sad enough about Gwen's death. And then Mary Jane gives him a letter to get to Spider-Man from a sick child who's terminally ill and basically saying they want to see Spider-Man. Yeah. And kind of like a a make a wish without all the red tape, and that was delivered to him by Mary Jane, who was just chilling at the cemetery waiting for him. <laughs> like she, I don't know if she went there multiple times a day just to wait for people, but that happens two times in the movie. 
it's like it's like she just uh, set up one of those ring doorbells at the cemetery <laughs> so when people wa uh, walk by she gets a notification i'm just imagining she doesn't have a lot going on in her life and so she's like man peter and harry and harry are real sad sad people go to the cemetery i'm just gonna chill there and hopefully run into <laughs> maybe they want to go to this party i wouldn't i'm going to later <laughs> yeah and so uh soon uh, uh soon after that peter visits the, uh, uh, this terminal child tim who's a spider-man super fan his w room is literally covered in spider-man posters and memorabilia he has spider-man video games which exist in this universe where where spider-man is also real yeah okay the they're playing like a game system that looked to be like 10 15 years older than Spider-Man was 20 in that movie. Like that was a Atari game system. <laughs> Has was Spider-Man like a character in that universe and then he just happened to get Spider-Man powers on top of that and it just worked out that way? Well, or? maybe it's like a retro th thing. It's like cuz I remember at some point when we were like in middle school or something they started selling these games that where they were just essentially joysticks. You hook up to the t TV and only have one game. Okay, that's fair. Like I could see him doing something like that. My uh, my question is in this universe, Spider Man has a secret identity. Who gets royalties off this game? That's a good question. Also, in like every single Spider Man show, they you know that Spider Man is Peter Parker. So like if you follow the there could be they're like, okay, just look out for Peter Parker. It was in the animated show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I mean, I feel like that's one of those uh, things where it's like the only reason no uh, uh, no one puts together that Peter Parker is Spider-Man is because Peter Parker just looks like any other guy. <laughs> As opposed to like Superman and Bruce Wayne, who are canonically jacked. Yeah, but like the same thing happens for Superman. <laughs> Just like it's, I don't know. I guess when you're doing a boring job, you look ordinary. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's uh, that's true. Well, uh, okay. So then he goes and he does the worst wake a wish, make a wish visit ever. Yeah. So t <laughs> uh, so Tim asked him about the girl. Uh, uh, the girl who fell off a bridge, who's Gwen St uh, Stacy, and then he goes in his rant about how like he's actually not a hero and walks uh, and, and walks out while they're playing this Spider-Man video game, and, and like uh, and that really is the worst make it wish. Like when that scene happened, I thought about this Dave Chappelle sketch where he visits this Make a Wish kid in the hospital. They play like Madden. And Dave Chappelle just whoops his kid's ass in Madden <laughs> and trash talks the whole time. I was thinking like, oh, this is like the Spider-Man version of that without the comedy. <laughs> so then they, he like leaves. He's like, don't believe in heroes. Yeah. He says it to a terminally <laughs> ill 10-year-old boy. He's like, everything you believe is stupid. Get ready to die. He walks out and the mom's just like... Could could you just try a little bit harder? <laughs> like, you mean like this means a lot to my fucking kid who's about to die. And he's like, yeah, I'll be, I'll quit being an asshole. And he like goes in and he kind of smooths things over. And that begins his journey for self-healing. Yeah. He, he reveals his secret identity to, uh, oh, yeah, to the kid. That. And the kid Im immediately recognizes him as that guy that takes pictures of Spider-Man. Did they run Peter Parker's picture in the newspaper? I'm sure you could Google it. <laughs> <laughs> like, he probably has some bi uh, some bio on the Daily Bugle website. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Uh, just, like Peter, just like Peter Parker went, uh, uh, went to Empire State uh, University. <laughs> Outside of photography, he enjoys not being Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves. He's feeling a bit better. He reveals his identity. Which you were, you called it during the movie. You're like, I, I think he's going to do the 90s cartoon thing where yeah. he tells his secret identity and he's like, well, good thing it's safe with him. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so for those of you who have never seen the 90s animated Spider uh, Man show, there's a scene where, P uh, where Peter Parker as Spider Man is visiting this child and they're. Uh, 
hanging out and Spider-Man reveals his secret identity to uh, to this little girl, uh, uh, little girl and uh, and like you think it's a cute scene he's uh, he's like I trust you keep it a secret and she's like don't worry I will and then when he swings out the window the camera uh, zooms out and you see it's his home for his terminally ill children <laughs> which you did not know about at, during the scene at all <laughs> I feel like you could they should make a charity off of that where it's like like the terminally ill children get make a wish, but in exchange they have to like relieve one burden. So like if there's something that you've never told anyone before, but you just need to get it out, you go find like a terminally ill child like one week before their death and you tell them you're like, I'm the one who gave you cancers. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like apparently it's an actual thing. Thing that I've heard, uh, like nurses and hospice workers, that it's an actual thing where people on their deathbed will just confess to the most heinous things ever. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like that, but it's like let's put the burden on children. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess during all this is happening, Mary Mary Jane talks to Harry and helps him get over his dad's uh, and death, and so. In the end, they just all patch things up, and Peter's like, I still have to be Spider-Man, even if I don't want to be. Yeah, that's just how it, it ends with, they're going to, what's the bully's name? Oh, Flash Thompson? Yeah, they're going to Flash Thompson's, like, military going away party or something. Yeah, and all of that is a two-hour runtime. Two hour runtime. All right, so let, let's get into the background of this. So th this was directed by Gavin J. Kanab. So he really started in the, uh, late 2020 when he was 16 year, uh, years old. He started making a series of uh, fan-made edit trailers for a fictional Spider-Man series. So for this, he wasn't shooting any footage himself. He was just editing footage from various movies and TV sh shows into a trailer. So he's making like AMVs. What is that? Like an anime music video where you just, <laughs> you take clips from an anime and then you add your own music over it. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Look, I'm not hating. Like, I'm not, I've, I've watched plenty in my life. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, that's what it is. I mean, yeah, that's essentially <laughs> what, uh, what he was doing. So he, he was doing that. He, he got a bit of an audience through, uh, through that, so then in January 2021, he on his YouTube ch channel he announced his plan to make Spire, uh, Spider Man Lotus Project and launch an Indiegogo with a goal of twenty thousand dollars. Now in February 2021, he dropped an edit trailer for this, and and after that, the Indiegogo got over a hundred thousand dollars, just way over the goal. I wonder what the average donation was. Uh, let's see if I, uh, I can find it. I have it. Like, I'm curious if it's like a bunch of small donations or it's just like one person donated like $75,000 because they have enough money to do that. Okay. So uh, uh, I'm looking at the Indiegogo page. Uh, uh, now it made a total of $112,000 with a total of. Twenty eight hundred backers. It's probably about fifty dollars per okay. donation. Uh, yeah, that's just the math in my, in my head. I'm, uh, um, I don't know. Maybe someone listens to this and pulls out the calculator to actually do it themselves. I could do that, but I'm not going. To. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. We're here for movies, not math. Nope. Um, he finished the script in May 2021, and they filmed in June through August of. Uh, uh, of that year and while this is going on he's still posting updates and stuff on his uh, on his youtube channel so he's still building an audience in october 2021 john watts who directed all the mcu spider-man movies actually it, uh, um i think he tweeted out something in support of the project and so, uh, and so this was originally supposed to come out in january 2022 but it kept getting delayed and now it ran the project ran to controversy because in June 2022 screenshots of Warren Wayne who plays Peter Parker Spider-Man in the movie 
use racist and homophobic slurs in text messages. Uh, he made an apology blaming his conservative upbringing. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and, and so, and so uh, Gavin, he, he made something to try to explain away apologizing. But then soon after, leaked messages showed Gavin Kenop, the director, also made racist and ableist remarks for... For that, he made an entire apology video, which is simply titled "Addressing Everything." <laughs> which, which, by the way, I I watched this apology video. It's thirteen and a half minutes long, which is thirteen minutes longer than any YouTube apology video should ever be. <laughs> and like in in the he. He kind of gave the same explanation, like, "Oh, the, the way I grew up, I was a terrible per uh, person back then." Except, like, remember at this point, he's like eighteen, so uh, so back then really wasn't that far uh, that far away. And then, and there, he also addressed concerns that he wasn't paying artists for the uh, uh, for the film, which. I even know about like I could like there are various articles written on this. I didn't see one that addressed accusations he wasn't paying artists for <laughs> what uh, what he promised. How much of that hundred thousand dollar? I feel like they spent so much on establishing shots in New York. They're like, yeah, no, I just couldn't pay for it. We we didn't, we actually paid for like a fifth of the New York City budget with drone shots. <laughs> I have no uh, no idea. Apparently, uh, apparently, at some point, he had an open call to submit art uh, artwork for that opening title sequence and the artwork on uh, on Tim's wall in uh, in the movie and promised some compensation. I have no idea how. Oh, much. okay. I was thinking of like actors, but yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, none of the actors complained they didn't get paid. Uh, but yeah, a after all this, a. Uh, uh, a lot of the original Indiegogo backers and some of the artists that submitted artwork on one of their names removed from the credits, but he never did that. <laughs> See, I, that kind of seems on brand for him. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like a bit of a prick, so like that worked out. <laughs> so, the, uh, so the movie came out... Uh, in August 11th, 2023, they had an LA premiere. And before I continue, I just want to say on his IMDb page, uh, Gavin lists his height as uh, as 6'10". First off, most directors do not have their height on their IMDb page. <laughs> uh, se uh, se uh, second, um, I saw pictures of him with people at the premiere. Unless there's a colony of giants in LA I've never heard of. <laughs> There's no way he's 6'10". But honestly, that does seem like a thing a teenage guy would do as soon as they find out that once you make your IMDb page, you can just put anything on there. <laughs> Look, I feel like most directors don't include their height because they're not 6'10". Like, <laughs> if I were 6'10", I'd be... I guess you wouldn't really need to put it anywhere because people would be like, yeah, we know you. We saw you from everywhere we go. <laughs> You're just tall enough. You just look up and we can see the top of your head. But yeah, I mean, I, if, I was... if I was that tall, I don't think I'd give my height. I let people speculate. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what makes you sound taller, a definite height or everyone having a different answer, but it all being ridiculously tall? <laughs> I feel like the way to seem really tall is you have to have like a scholarship to at least a D2 school. That's like the the true way to prove that you're tall is have a D2 basketball scholarship. Yeah, yeah honestly, uh, honestly, if you're six, if you're six ten without a D1 scholarship, <laughs> that just means you're completely unathletic. <laughs> <laughs> or you got you lost your scholarship because a bunch of text messages came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, so. Uh, uh, so as we mentioned, this was a fan film, and he did gain a bit of an audience th uh, throughout this whole process. But what uh, he kind of got lucky with the timing because between the WGA and SAG after uh, strikes, that uh, this meant a lot of content creators on TikTok and YouTube 
they couldn't cover a, uh, any uh, movies coming out that were uh, uh, fall that were from struck companies, and obviously a lot of them gain a big audience from covering a lot of superhero related content, whether it be Marvel or DC. So a lot of them saw this as, "Hey, a Spider-Man movie I can talk about <laughs> is coming out." So the uh, so this helped it reach a new audience, but uh, of course, a lot of people didn't like it. So it quickly turned uh, turned into, "Hey, this is a bad movie." Uh, it currently sits at a three point one on IMDb, and just to give you perspective on how many people uh, watch this, about a month before the movie came out, he it, he released a small clip of it on his YouTube channel that. As of recording, has eighty three thousand views. The full film has four point four million views. Damn, yeah, on on YouTube. And it, in case you're wondering why he's not being sued by uh, Marvel and Sony, it's because they're making no money off of this. The film is available for free on YouTube, no ads. <laughs> I like that you laid up. You're like, yeah, a lot of creators, they they needed something to talk about from non-struck companies, which is the exact situation we're in right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> like the reason we're talking about this film right now is because of the strike and we're avoiding struck companies. And we're like, okay, well, we can talk about this Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it came up on our radar th uh, through this uh, way. I mean, I know you're not on TikTok uh, talk that, uh, that much or really uh, at all, but uh, but like some of these cre creators, it was ver very clear, like from not talking about Marvel or D uh, DC stuff, it's like they were going through withdrawal and this just gave them a little bit of that hit. <laughs> They're like, oh, I just need those numbers. I need that that uh oh, fuck. What do you what do you call people in I need those interactions? Yeah. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you wanna get into the movie? Yep. All right. So now it's time for our opening arguments. I will be defending this. And I will be attacking. All right. So my opening argument. A lot of people have seen this film, and most of them have terrible things to say. In reality, that's on them for expecting more from a fan film, which is what Spider-Man Lois is. It fully captures most of the spirit of what a fan film is and should be, a dedicated fan showing their interpretation of a popular character. That's all Kanop wanted to do. What he didn't ask for was a hundred grand to do it. That's the fault of the community for giving it to him. We are still watching an amateur with a camera. The... Uh, not much changes just because the camera is more expensive. Spider-Man is a 30-minute fan movie that ran an hour 30 too long. It doesn't suck for being a fan movie. The production is solid, but a polished turd is still a turd. Okay, so, like, I fully be uh, believe that, like, everyone ta uh, talking about this, like, it, if you've seen other fan films uh, online, they are like small budget th things and people sh uh, showing what uh, they can do. Th this was th uh, uh, that it, and it's like it really uh, it's really only because of the strike that's being compared to uh, uh, to an actual feature length movie that's professionally done. Uh, and to be honest, Kanop he had reasonable uh, if. Honestly, it looks like he had the idea of something much smaller, but then he got way more resources than they had in mind and had to just make crazy adjustments. Yeah, I get that. Here's my issue with the movie. Like, it's a very, it's shot well, it's directed well. You watch it and you're like, this is like a pretty quality production, but I'm judging it as fan fiction. I read a lot of fan fiction, Bellin, and like fan fiction is like rough. And it can be ugly, but like it's all over the place and fun. That's kind of what's great about fan created stuff. This is just so boring. There's so much of it that's just like so boring and so. Oh, it, it, why is it so emotional? <laughs> like even in like a high quality production, this would be 10 minutes of the movie. But in this, it's an hour. They could have 45 minutes of this. It could have been pretty like 
kind of interesting. All you had to do was the opening scene with the fight. Then you cut to the aftermath. Then you cut to uh, MJ talking to Peter in the cemetery. You go to the hospital visit. You get Spider-Man back on his feet. Boom. 45-minute experience. Very polished. Well done. I would have been like, okay, this is great. But an hour and a, at a two-hour long length, you're just like, you had, you, had, you had a lot of resources. You could have done so much with this. And you made the most boring, repetitive... Just like, oh my God, I wanted to turn the movie off, Bell. And like, we had to do it for this podcast, so we had to finish it, but I really wanted to turn the movie off. Okay, but here, here's the thing about having a lot of resources. Like, a, a large part of directing and producing is knowing how to utilize your resources. And, and like, cannot he admitted himself, he, he was a first time filmmaker, did not have much experience experience with it so when you're in that position getting all that resources can actually like be de be detrimental because it's a it's essentially a lot more stuff to miss manage like because i because re remember remember like the estimated budget for for this total around a hundred twenty thousand dollars he originally asked for a six of that so I, uh, so honestly, like I do think it was originally probably a half hour movie. Like I, uh, I imagine a good uh, a good bulk of it was uh, was you know Spider Man with uh, with the sick uh, kid and all uh, and all that, and then just some extra scenes for uh, uh, for like setup and closure. But he suddenly ha ha got a lot more than he asked. He and you know if we. Uh, if you look at a 30 minute movie and say like oh they have a budget of, of six figures for that that would look ridiculous and so, so he so he clearly felt a pressure to do a lot a lot more and and i'm not i'm not sure if he had a full draft of the script when he initially launched the indie go go but either way in the span of three months he came out with a completely different version okay yeah that, that's like all very fair but i feel like it's kind of an excuse where you're like like yeah in fairness he this was his first feature film it was his first time dealing with large amounts of money as it relates to spending for production um but also at the same time like a lot of the stuff he added could have it just cuts. He could have cut like a lot of it out. Where one of my big issues with the film is, it's like you have show don't tell. So we did that. He showed, but then on top of that, he also told, and then on top of that, he told it again, and on top of that, he told it again. And instead of adding up to something bigger, it's just rehashing the same thing over and over again. It's like in, in the first 20 minutes, you show Peter having fun with his friends, and then he's sad after. You're like, okay, he had fun with his friends. His friends died. He's showing me very clearly that Peter's pretty heartbroken about this. But that's not all he did. He also added a solid 10 minutes of monologue and exposition at the beginning of the film where it's just Peter being like, I wish I, wish I could go back to that time. Oh man, if I could go back to that time. That time was when everything was great. See, I'm sad now, but before that, I was very happy. But then bad things happened, and now I'm unhappy. See, generally what happens is I had a lot of happiness in my life, but then something bad happened, and now I have a lot of sadness in my life, and I'm struggling with it. And then it goes on to show you that he's struggling with it. And then someone will tell Peter that he's very clearly struggling with it. And then he's also very clearly struggling with it. And then he tells nine other people, he's like, man, I'm struggling a lot. It's just, you get what I'm saying? He's rehashing the same thing in every single way possible, which admittedly is a mismanagement, but I'm not judging whether or not this is a good attempt for someone doing their first film. I'm just judging about whether it's good or not. And 
he made a ton of mistakes. Okay, well, for, uh, well, well, I mean, that's also what a fan film is for. It helps uh, it helps filmmakers uh, kind of harness their craft more in the in what's supposed to be a low pressure environment. Uh, uh, man, it's like what you just said. Anyone who's been in a writers group has given that uh, that no umpteenth amount of time, <laughs> and uh, and it's uh, uh, and like that again. That's just something where it's like, oh, he suddenly has to expand uh, expand the story. If he already had a complete story, where does he go with that? Okay, it, I, I did. You want to know what I think he should have done? Make a 30 minute film, have it spend a hundred, spend like $20,000 on a camera you can use for the rest of your life. And then just do like an $80,000 30 minute film that's polished and looks great on a reel. Uh, okay. Uh, Is that like a criminal thing? Did I just commit fraud? It, <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, it's not commi uh, committing for, uh, for fraud. It, any, uh, any decent accountant can, uh, uh, will make sure you're not getting sued by the IRS or anything. The uh, the only th uh, thing is an eighty thousand dollar short film is absolutely absurd. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like because because uh, like go uh, going to film festivals, talking to other fi uh, uh, filmmakers, the highest budget I've ever seen for a short film is twenty five thousand dollars. And when me and my friends saw that, watched the film, we were wondering where did all of that money go? Because because uh, <laughs> we were both because uh, we were both like we could do so much more with twenty five thousand dollars. And uh, so I, uh, so that's something where uh, where it's like having uh, having that it that's something where it makes it look like you don't know how to manage a budget. Okay, that's fair. Wait, how much did your most recent short film cost, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, uh, I, th I think including all the festival submission fees, pro uh, uh, probably like six, maybe close to 7,000. Okay. But that was like, a, what, eight minute, eight to 11 minutes? That, uh, that, uh, that was 12 and a half minutes. Okay. I really liked it. It was a good film, but okay, this might just be, you might be defending it as another <laughs> filmmaker. <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't thinking too far into like how it would look when you're submitting to other stuff. So you're saying he, he added all that. He made a worse movie purely because it would have looked a lot worse from if you made a hundred thousand dollar 30 minute film. Yeah. Yeah. Cause no, cause on some website that, uh, that has a lot of like it, independent like no budget f uh, film resources it's like this one guy did an article about uh, how he he spent uh, it was some absurd number it might have been like two hundred thousand dollars on uh, on a short film it was like he saved for years so uh, so plasma all the comments were clowning him like, <laughs> like literally every single comment was like why would you spend that much just like work with a smaller bu uh, uh, budget <laughs> and uh, and something where, where you know, Gavin wants uh, wants to be a uh, a filmmaker, so it's like this has to show he can do something with uh, with what he what he has. Because again, the Indiegogo is is public. I think if he, I think if it was something where he only. He could only sp spend twenty thousand without everyone knowing how much money he he got. He would try he would try to do that and say this is a twenty thousand dollars short film. Okay, but also he could have made an hour and fifteen minute long film instead of an hour and fifty minute long film. That's the other thing is like he did he made a long film, all things considered. Like they he could have made a ninety minute film, but it was a full two hours. Yeah, I mean the, uh, I mean the thing is a lot of that is something is something that like you you could cut uh, yes you could cut a lot of it and uh, after you uh, you film it like after you have a cut of the movie decide okay this can go that uh, that can go the thing is he didn't have an experienced team with them uh, because you, you go through. Uh, through the INDB of like the producers and stuff on uh, on his f films, like they don't have much more than than him, and uh, and so it's like you're uh, it's fully a fan, a fan film when you don't even have people with the experience 
to to really go okay we need to cut uh, uh, cut this and do because uh, uh, even at that budget it's hard to do like audience screen uh, screenings and get valuable feedback from that all right okay i've got i'm sorry i just now i'm kind of like i would have added in a scene instead of like more mopey spider-man scenes you could have put spider-man in a difficult situation where it could have been like a robbery in progress that he's forced to just ignore. Like there's, there could have been other things that you could have added in to eat up some of that time that weren't establishing shots of New York City, Peter looking mopey, or like, oh, they did so many flashbacks, Bell, and they did so many flashbacks. Okay, the uh, the flashbacks, I, f- I feel because they... Uh, that was probably to work around the budget because they probably w- uh, wanted to show the full c- uh, scene of like the battle with the Green Goblin and Gwen's uh, death, but because of the budget, they couldn't fu- uh, uh, fully do, uh, do that because from what I read, a lot of the delays with the film had to do with the VFX. So, uh, uh, so that was probably their uh, way of like showing parts of it, but not the whole uh, uh, whole thing. C- uh, because uh, like I th- I think in the opening b- about with the shocker th- uh, there were some camera angles where uh, uh, where it, it it was creative on their part but like as a filmmaker it was kinda, it was kind of clear it's like okay they shot it this way to hide some of the budget <laughs> like uh, like if they, uh, like it would made more s- uh, sense for uh, for the camera to be a little to uh, to left but that would require much more VFX yeah. Right. Also, it was pretty corny. The ending sad boy intro monologue ends on. We never did take that trip. The line. It's just so like generic. Okay. In the fence of that. Have you seen almost any other Spider-Man movie? <laughs> like, they all end like that. They all end like some, uh, some monologue and, uh, and then just shots of Spider-Man flying around New York City. Like uh, uh, like the first Sam Raimi Sp- uh, Spider-Man essentially ends with like the same monologue just reworded. It's the same uh, monologue of uh, of like the, of like being Spider-Man carries risks. I got uh, I, I, I'm I'm putting the people close to me in danger, but I gotta do it. <laughs> like that's what we got here. Also, okay, I keep just rehashing points, but <laughs> I think this filmmaker has an issue with marriage. <laughs> 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 like when we watched it, me and both me and you both were like. <sighs> Is Mary Jane like a bitch in this? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I honestly f- feel like maybe, uh, maybe the whole story uh, storyline with uh, with Harry uh, Mary Jane wasn't part of like the original script before it expanded, and so, uh, and so like in in a rush to make the script, she. It, uh, all she had to do was kind of like push Harry's side of the story. She also mm-hmm. showed up to a cemetery and was just like, sup, you want a party? <laughs> <laughs> to which Peter was, he immediately was just like, what are you, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what, I was some Mary, every Mary Jane I've seen has been like very emotionally intelligent and kind of like play is sort of like, come on, Peter, take care of yourself. But this Mary Jane's just like, you guys are being a real bummer. <laughs> <laughs> they should have just leaned in her being an absolute weirdo. <laughs> I that green makeup she had on, they could have they could have pulled it off pretty well. I didn't like her look from the party. Uh, I mean, uh, I will say that uh, uh, that's one thing I pointed out while filming is like they got lucky that Gwen Stacy's classic comic book appearance works really well with a bad wig. <laughs> like she has bangs and a hair clip on uh, on t- uh, on top. That's that's kind of like the essential filmmaking code for hiding a bad wig. <laughs> okay, also I guess I'm guessing this is just like one of those things that happened as a result of production. They cast Mary Jane, like the two actresses who play Mary Jane and Gwen are sisters. 
Maria Fox and something, I think like Carmen Fox or something, they could have just found like a, they looked like sisters. They looked extremely similar. It's one of those things where it's probably just the reality of doing an amateur movie, but it is a little jarring. Yeah. So apparently they did cast like, from what I read, partially through uh, social media and then uh, and then partially through some open casting calls but it was uh, but like not huge uh, well i mean i th- and then one thing i also want uh want to address is like with this be- uh, being uh, kanab's like real first time f- uh, filmmaking he's still finding his director's uh, style and i feel like his uh, his style doesn't lean towards what people are used to with a Spider-Man uh, movie. Like I, th- I think if his original idea was it to be mostly Spider-Man with this, uh, with this kid and a little bit extra, that would lean towards his style a lot more. Because in an interview, he listed one of his director inspirations as Spike Jones, who, who Spike Jones has. Uh, Directed movies like uh, being John Malkovich adaptation. Her, it's like those are all like, qu- uh, like character driven but quirky mo- uh, uh, movies. It's like they get weird, uh, weird at times. But th- it's not a style uh, uh, style that would like l- lean itself full, uh, uh, fully to something like action pa- uh, packed and fast paced as people are used to with Spider Man. And so I think. Uh, I think that's uh, that's something where it's where it's like I don't think it's a bad thing that it's his uh, style. It's just something that shows here. Yeah, I don't know. There's no quirkiness. Like the, the I think that's my judgment of it as a Spider-Man movie. It was just kind of a bummer. Like it was a huge bummer. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, if you're judging it as like a Spider-Man fan movie, you're like, oh okay. Like, oh man, this is just sort of sad and boring. Mm-hmm. They need a little bit of pep. Spider-Man's peppy. That was like my big one of my criticisms of Spider-Man 3 is it's just like I don't want to see Peter Parker cry for more than like 30 seconds on screen. Yeah, I mean, this film was an exploration of grief. And <laughs> it never pretended to be anything other uh, other than that. Grief can be sarcastic. It needs just a little, a little something. Just, mm. I, I mean, there are moments of joy, like when he's playing video games with, uh, with a child. He gets to see like the, the light Spider Man puts in people's eyes. Yeah, but it doesn't last long. Then he just goes back to being a mopey fool. That <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is just getting into like my personal opinion of where I'm just like I want it to be fun. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, well, now it's time for our concessions. This is where I give three things I didn't like about the movie and Chris gives three things she did like. Uh, so I, I mentioned this bo- uh, before, but the, uh, a lot of shots in the action scenes made it blatantly obvious they were short on budget at times. Uh, like it was uh, it was one of those th- things where it's like when he was fighting the shocker a lot of times you don't see the actual hits w- uh, when shocker sh- uh, shoots or uh, or like you don't see punches uh, land and it's like that that's go- uh, that's kind of like the go- uh, the go to for uh, uh, for like shooting with bad fight choreography <laughs> uh, like i rem- i remember um while sh- uh, uh, back in college, uh, like for our film festival with stu- uh, student f- uh, films, it's like it it did kind of become a, j- a joke of like it uh, of like drink when uh, whenever and uh, uh, a punch or kick obviously doesn't land. <laughs> um, outside of yeah, admittedly that I know I get what you're talking about, but outside of like the action sequences, it's very well done. Like in terms of how it looks visually, there's not a ton of moments where you're just like, oh yeah, this is like someone you're, you're like, okay, I could see this being like a bad studio movie. Yeah. Like it, like it did have a consistent uh, uh, look to it. And, the, uh, and like, especially with a lot of the nights it, it scenes, they set it up very, 
very smartly where it's like i'm uh, i'm not sure if you know this but like as a filmmaker i uh, i know it's like okay th th with this setup they don't need to spend as much on lights for a night scene as they uh, as they normally would yeah and it's like they get away with it with a style um my second concession the, the story stagnated for so long <laughs> <laughs> like like all the, the you know, all like the drone shots of new york the, uh, it's like uh, it's like uh, we gotta reiterate the same points also i still don't know why flash thompson was there okay it, yeah they had flash thompson in there and like his only speech is he's just like yeah, Peter used to be such a little fucking nerd, and then he called me an asshole, and he was nice, and so, like, he's pretty alright. <laughs> That's all he says in the film. <laughs> yeah, like, it... I don't know, it, it's like he's supposed to confirm that Peter's a nice guy, uh, guy but just says it like that. Like, they don't... I don't think they have a single interaction through, uh, throughout the whole movie. Maybe... It, it, Maybe it's like kind of towards the end when Peter's supposed to go to the party and Mary Jane just sees him like through the window and he leaves. Okay, yeah. It probably looks like such a dick move. To they don't know he's Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets there, like looks at him and it's just like, all right, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's like, that's a classic move, which like. As a small uh, side note, I I think the whole concept of like superhero secret identities to like your closest loved ones is, is stupid because it's always uh, uh, like I don't want to put you in danger. I feel like they're in more danger because they don't know what they've gotten themselves into. Also, so doesn't he live with Harry Osborn, but he just like hangs his Spider-Man outfit up in the closet? <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing in the movie. The Spider-Man outfit that was completely... Uh, completely ruined from the battle with the green goblin is just hanging his closet like a retired sports jersey like he's gonna bring it through for dry cleaning only <laughs> <laughs> all right um the casting could be worse i thought he cast a pretty decent peter parker i thought uh failing out of music school harry osborne looked pretty good it was solid they could have done a lot worse. The Gwen and Mary Jane weren't great, but like considering it's a fan movie, they could have like, it, it could have been very jarring. <laughs> I actually have my third concession as acting was stiff. Because, <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> uh, also um, the, uh, uh, the actors who, pl who played Peter and, uh, and Harry Warren uh, Wayne and Sean Thomas, uh, read they're credited as co-writers for the movie so uh, oh yeah so what i imagine it happened is they uh, they were cast and they sat down uh, uh, with the director to like punch it up adapt it to uh, towards their style so it's like it's like even g given that it's like that's supposed to be more for uh, for them it's like that's what they did uh, was like also as I mentioned last episode, directing actors is a skill, and as a first-time filmmaker, I don't know how much Knopf did with that. Because also, also, it's very unclear if he actually spent time on film set before this. Yeah, I kind of doubt it. <laughs> also, Gwen Stacy kept reading lines off yeah. camera. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was something we noticed. Uh, uh, while watching, like a lot of scenes uh, uh, with was it just Gwen Stacy or uh, did we know this with Mary Jane? Uh, it was we, just Gwen Stacy. Oh yeah, yeah, Gwen, just Gwen Stacy. A lot, uh, a lot of times, like when she's having a conversation with someone, it does look like she it, she hears what the other person says, looks away from them as if there's a cue card on <laughs> on set, and then turns back and says her line. And they don't cut around that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. For my last one, it's just that kid playing a terminally. He he did a really good job. He did a good job of playing a dying kid who's still like kind of upbeat and meeting his hero. Yeah, I'll give it to it. Like uh, I, yeah. I've never met a dying kid who's just meeting his hero, but I imagine it would be somewhat similar to what happened in that scene. 
I like to imagine that Knopf, that's like the one thing that's where 30% of the budget went was paying off a dying kid's family so he could meet Spider-Man <laughs> or something. Like he, uh, like he was like, I want a method actor. I want a kid who isn't going to live six months. <laughs> I want him to be like, I'll keep your. I want him to really know he's going to keep that secret. <laughs> All right, you want to finish this off with your closing statement, yep. or should I lead us off? All right, my closing statement: What Gavin J. Knopp did as a first-time filmmaker is impressive. He sought out to make a simple story which got blown up through no fault of his own. This film stands as a testament to his perseverance and hopeful future as a filmmaker. If you want to save yourself some time watching this movie, go on Archive of Our Own. Look up Spider-Man with the tags Peter Parker Needs a Hug. Look for a nice 2,500-word story and you can experience a two-hour-long movie in 10 minutes. The only reason this movie is interesting is that it was produced by a fan. Nothing else about it is noteworthy. Did you look up fan fiction for this or did you just have that? I've read enough (laughs) fan fiction where I'm just like, yeah, I could probably find this story written like a hundred different ways on AO3. (laughs) 10 minutes. This is like, I recognize the plot. It's just like, I'm trying to, I want to be angsty. I want to make my main character go through a very difficult situation because that's going to drive plot forward. Uh, I mean, he did base it off an actual comic storyline. So, oh wait, really? Yeah, it's. Uh, I know he said in one of these interviews I have pulled up on my screen. I don't feel like going through which one. I forgot to write it down. But yeah, that's. It, it's not terrible. Like honestly, I don't. I know I've said a ton of negative things about it, but like it's very well done for what it is. But I just think as far as the story goes. It, it's like writing masturbation a little bit. It's just like, it's not really doing a lot and it's just gratifying. I feel like to him only. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean that that's part of what comes with, uh, with like putting together a good filmmaking team. You trust is like, you got to surround yourself by uh, by people you trust to say no to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, that's the podcast. Right, yep. Uh, yep. Thank you all for uh, for listening. Thanks for coming.